um, I was many times caught in the crossfire. Um, and that's what I want to talk about today is the crossfire. Sometimes we're caught in the crossfire. Um, anyway, so at the age of 17, met the Lord, uh, finished school, still made my mistakes throughout life, met my beautiful wife sitting in the back there at college. We have three wonderful children, and um, it's been absolutely, it's just such a blessing to have them in my life. Um, been part of this church since 2008, I think, Weasley one. That chap was four months old when we came to the first sermon. Look at him now. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, so we've had a we've had a, a wonderful time in in Christ in the last eight, nine, ten years. Geez, how long is it now? And um, it's just been an absolute privilege. So I definitely don't stand here today knowing everything, and I'm definitely not perfect. But I have made my mistakes. And um, we've learned we've learned from them. So today I'm going to talk to you about f- from you know a real person, not not somebody holy. So I want you also just to take it like that as well, please. So the Lord put this word on my uh, on my heart a while back, and um, I didn't know what was going to happen the last week in Swellendam. I honestly didn't. No one, none of us did. But the Lord put this word on my heart a while back, and it, it's a word about being caught in the crossfire. So, I don't know about you guys, I'm a guy, um, I like a good old war movie, uh, I suppose it's a guy thing, I know, I see Matthew's getting to the age as well now, where he likes the, the fights and the shooting and all of that, it's probably a guy thing, going back to our roots. <laughs> and um, So, but the one thing I, I I always liked about the movies it wasn't so much the the guts or sorry the the blood and the gore it's more the the guts and the glory and the thing I've always liked about about these movies is that um, you know these guys were always fighting for a reason there was a reason why they went to war and many times if you look in these movies if you look, there's always a bad guy and a good guy. And the thing about the bad guys is that it's some guy who's got a grudge for whatever reason, and he's got help, but they hired help. Ex-Marines, whatever, somebody who's also had issues in his life, I suppose. But, you know, it's hired help. And these guys would go in, and they're very good at what they do, obviously, and they don't care for life, they don't care for human life, and presented with a problem, with an issue, they would probably say it themselves instead of the other contractor that's been hired with him, you know, and he doesn't really care if that guy dies or not. But if you go back to the movies, and you go back to the, like the medieval movies, we were, had a lot of wars about royalty or kingdoms, and you would have kings fighting over their kingdoms or defending their kingdoms and you would have the king and you have his son you know and the king's sitting there you can see the picture he's sitting there planning strategically the son comes out leading one of the legions reporting back you know today we won so much ground today we lost lost so much ground <coughs> but it was a father and son thing 
and it was a family thing. It was something about, about passion. They had a passion for what they were doing because it was their inheritance. It was theirs. And if they lost that battle, they lost their inheritance. They lost everything. And the contract help doesn't really matter if they lose everything or not. It's irrelevant. So, to me, that's always been, I think, you know, besides the fact that in a, in a good movie, the good guy always has to win, otherwise nobody would like the movie, fair enough. But I think that's why the good guys always win. It's because there's something that they would keep them going, thanks Tom, keep them going to the end, to the very, very last end. And that did me, that got me going and thinking about when we're fighting our battles, there's probably three categories I can put it in. Um, and the first one is fighting your own battles or a battle that's my battle. So my finances isn't great. Fighting with a wife all the time, you know. Um, just found out I've got a, a illness of sorts, you know. Battles that are mine, battles that, that, I, that I need to fight with the Lord, but they're my battles. Then we have the battles that are what I like to call not my circus. Those are the battles out there. And um, let's take the example of down the street, we have a family that we don't know, we know about them. Maybe the guy's an alcoholic. Maybe it's going rough in the house. We know about them. But let's be honest, there's always going to be people like that. And we can pray for them. I'm not saying we mustn't do anything. But are they involved with your battle? Are they, are they going to take up time, your time, that you could be spending with the Lord? Or are they going to waste your time? Um, and the third one is being caught in the crossfire. Now this week, we were all caught in the crossfire. We didn't want to be, but we were. And I think the Lord sometimes puts us in the crossfire if we want to be in it or not. And I think it's important to remember that we might not feel like being caught in a crossfire. I certainly don't like it. But God's chosen you to be part of something greater than yourself. So what's the crossfires that I'm talking about today? I'm talking about crossfires about the guy in the community next to me who's got financial issues. The couple that's in church with you who are fighting all day long. The children that are struggling in those environments. So they're not your battle per se, but you're in the crossfire because you're part of something greater than yourself. And here's the great thing, is if we can prioritize between what's important, what's the right battles to fight, which battles are not our battles at this moment, 
It frees up our time, quite frankly. <laughs> it gives us time to focus on the right battles. And here's the great thing. If I'm there in the crossfire with Kenneth, fighting his battle with him, and Kenneth is there for Francia, helping him with his battle, and Francia and Elise are there helping Tom and Alwyn with their battle inside their house. Everybody's battles are being fought. So we, so we half the work, because I'm not fighting by myself anymore, I'm not fighting with somebody, but we're doubling the effect, because now we're fighting two battles at once. Now see what I'm saying? So, yeah, just another sip of water, excuse me. And I just want to reiterate, I think it's important that we choose the right battles. There's so many out there, there's so many fights out there. Um, Facebook is full of them. And we've got to decide which ones are relevant and which ones are not. Because we'll waste our time otherwise. otherwise. And we're going to waste our time with filling our heads with junk that's taking our time taking our focus off the battle with that I can be spending my time, my energy with my own battle and my battle that my friend and my brother in Christ is going through. If we go to Ezekiel 37, it's a very, very popular, very well-known verse. Um, I'm just going to read through it because I think it's important. And the land of the Lord, the hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out of the spirit of the, sorry, he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set, sent me in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones and the floor, on the floor of the valley, and the bones were very dry. And he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? And I said, sovereign Lord, only you know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. And I will make breath into you and you will come to life. And I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. And then you know, will know that I am the Lord. Now the amazing thing about this scripture is that I, <laughs> I always read this wrong. I read there's a bunch of dead bones and, and, the God, and, and God told Ezekiel to prophesy and, they, and, and, and these guys came together and they, and, and, they were, and they came alive, right? But if you actually go look and you go really go look at it, there were three prophecies on that day. 
prophesied three times. And the first one we see in verse 7, he said, So I prophesied uh, as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. And I looked in the tendons, and the flesh appeared on them, and the skin covered them. But there was no breath. Important. There was no breath. It says a little on in, I think, verse 4, let's see, well, not on, previous, that there were dry bones. Now, those of you who are close to nature, you know, you have a bone that's like a month old, it's still nice and white, clean, it's hard, you can throw a rock at it, and it probably wouldn't break, it would, you know, stay together. But if you, have a bone, if you had a bone out there lying in the sun for years on end, they start getting soft, brittle, start changing color, you throw a rock at that thing, it's going to break, it's going to splinter. The word says they were dry bones. They weren't just bones. So these bones were far along, very far along. Just to, just to emphasize the fact that these guys were really dead. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> so we see here in the first prophecy, the first time he prophesied, that the bones came together, flesh together, skin, eyes, hair, the works. And actually, if you think about it, then we actually had nothing else but a valley full of dead bodies. Think about it. Might have actually been worse than a whole bunch of bones lying there. We actually now had a valley full of dead people. And how many times do we do this? How many times do we go, please help me, pray for me for my battle? And we go to somebody, and we go to Kenneth and Monique, and they pray for us, and we have a great time, and for two or three days it goes well. And then we kind of forget about it, or we don't trust the Lord further. Right? And then we go, well, you know, I, and I gave it a shot. I gave it to the Lord, but I'm going to go back to my old ways and fix it myself, because I'm not alive yet. I'm just a dead body. And we forget that the Lord's doing something. He's brought you from dead bones to the next phase. Then he said to me, the second prophecy, second prophecy, son of man, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath, come from the four winds and breathe into this slain that they may live. So I prophesied as commanded, and the breath entered them, and they came to life and stood up on their feet. So now in the second, second time he prophesied, they were alive. We had human beings, no longer a valley full of dead people. And then the third prophecy he said, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel, are sitting here. They say, our bones are dried up, and our hope is gone, and we are cut off. How many of you felt dried up and cut off this week, sitting in your houses? Think about it. 
Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. And I will bring you back to the land of Israel. <clears throat> then you will know that I am the Lord. And when I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you. And you, and you, and you. And I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I am the Lord, have, I the Lord have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. Now, when we read the first two prophecies, we're happy to accept them. Because they're history, they happened, it's a fact. They were dry bones, they became bodies, breathed into them, they became alive. And if an atheist walked through that door right now, and he would say to us, this is all nonsense, all hogwash, it's all made up, we would defend our faith, we would defend our word, our Bible, saying, it's true, we believe it. With everything that we have, we believe it happened. But the third one, the third one, third one speaks about the future. It talks about the opportunities. It talks about what God wants to do. Are we willing to, cho- to accept those? When, I, when we pray for somebody or we have a word for somebody, someone here, so one of you have a word or you know, a prayer for me, what do I do? Do I go, yes, Lord, I believe them like the first two prophecies, or do I go, eh, in the back of my head, I go, it, it's there and I believe it and I know that God can do these things. But I've also gone through life a few times. I've had my disappointments. I don't really believe them 120% the way I should. So that's important, I think, is that how are we fighting our battles? How are we helping others with their battles? Are we fighting them on the proof of the previous two prophecies? Or are we fighting the battles with the belief of what can be? And where do you sit today on this question? That's it. That's all I have. So it's, it's, it's really just important that we have to go out, fight our battles, our brother's battles, our sister's battles. Choose the right battles. Choose the right fight. And when you do it, do it from a point of what can be. Don't take your history, don't take your experience, don't limit God in your own life. 